Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Emmy. How you feeling this week? I'm feeling good. I miss you. I know. I miss you so much. (laughs) I really, and I know we will get into this, but I just want to say to you and to anyone listening that having a podcast while watching Salt Lake City is the single most cathartic experience of my life because as I'm watching it, I'm going through my head everything that I want to say out loud. And just thank you all for being here and you too, because it really is a highlight of my week. Oh, it's the best thing ever. (laughs) Like, what is better than that show? Nothing. Everything is amazing. I just smile ear to ear when I'm watching everything on Bravo, truly. Like, I'm not even just trying to be sappy. I know you all feel the same way. It makes me so happy. So what we're going to do today, we're going to start out with an Erica and Tom update. Then we'll do Salt Lake City, OC, somewhere in there. We're going to do Southern Charm. And then we'll briefly just do Atlanta and Dallas. To be honest with you, Salt Lake City and Southern Charm are really kind of the two that we focused on this week just because there wasn't that much in the others. But um, how's that sound? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. So as always, we're going to start out with a little bit of an Erica and Tom update. And this week, in kind of an interesting turn of events, Tom's brother has actually filed for conservatorship, given everything that's been going on with him. And basically, according to the documents that have been obtained by people, His family is saying that he's really unable to care for himself, both from a memory loss perspective, also from a financial perspective. And there's a court hearing set for June 9th. And so if his brother, Robert, is appointed his conservator, he will kind of become responsible for everything. So the estate, providing care for Tom, where he's going to live, property, everything. And we have that story breaking literally in direct conjunction with Erica's continual kind of confusing social media presence. And I think this week specifically was one where we all as a collective group were looking at each other like, what is going on? Um, She had posted this kind of sexy shot and made her caption something like, I was going to disable comments, but you guys are just all too damn gullible. (laughs) 
like, don't turn on us. I love you, you know? <laughs> I saw I saw someone commented and was like, hey, it's not the best move to alienate your, you know, remaining followers. The whole thing is so confusing. The timeline of everything, these stories that just keep coming out. I said to you earlier, can you even believe how big of a deal those her post about him cheating with all the texts with that justice and now that's such old news we forgot about already? I don't mean to sound dramatic, but that feels like another life. I know. Doesn't it? Yes, it's insane because every day something new is emerging. She's posting a million times. I cannot keep up. Yeah, I, I, as I said last week, and I've continued to say, and I will continue to say, her social media presence is so unbelievably intentional. And I would love to sit down with the PR team and kind of just get a better understanding because everything that I personally feel, I see being echoed in the comments of not her cast members, but of fans just feeling really confused and feeling really turned off by this like extravagant kind of display amid what's going on, even if she had nothing to do with it, even if she actually had no idea and she's just involved by association, it still just feels so off to me. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like we always say, she's still filming right now. So we'll see the behind the scenes of what's going on and kind of her mindset as she's posting all these photos, which I can't help but be so fucking excited for. I know. I kind of changed my mind. Initially, I had thought, you know, maybe she'll try to steer away from it. I think now she's going to go into this full force and really use the show as much to her advantage as possible in the terms of like shifting the narrative. Yeah. I think she's going to lean into it. I really do. That's the thing about these types of shows. When you're involved in a situation, the one benefit that you may have against the other people is that you have that camera time. And so she can kind of use that camera time to tell whatever story she wants. Yeah. And hopefully it's like her fans will understand, oh, this is what was going on. Like we were wrong. We had no idea what was going on behind closed doors. So oh, can you believe we're going to get to watch it? I'm so excited. Forget about watching it. We're going to be able to come on here every week and talk about it. Oh, you guys. No. (laughs) Okay. Salt Lake City. I'm ready. I texted Isabel last night completely sober and was like, I think Salt Lake City is the best show on television. I could not stop laughing. I mean, I also kind of agree. I can't believe that we're going to start this out by talking about Heather's double date with Jen and Sharif and Big Daddy. No, I got to tell you something. Watching Heather flirt and interact with men is really mesmerizing. It's interesting. And also she's amazing at it. I've seen her flirt with the guy at Jen's party. Now on this double date, I've seen her on Watch What Happens Live a couple times. Andy tried to set her up with Carl from Summer House last night. And she is a master flirt, I gotta say. It's really inspirational. Well, it's so funny you say that because I, for a minute, caught her live stream with Alex Radcliffe from Below Deck. Yeah. And in it, he was you know, just making some sort of a comment about how he really cares more about getting to know someone on a deeper level. And she said something like, well, that's because you're such an old soul. But I was watching the way that she was interacting with him, and I really only did see a glimpse. But so often you see specifically uh, stars from Bravo when they're on this type of situation – it's like they're just fighting to get a word in. And she was so intent on really listening to what he was saying. And I I don't know, I could just understand why she's so appealing in terms of she really makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. Oh, yeah. Like when when Big Daddy, Sharif's friend, comes on the stage, she's already complimenting the hat. She's standing up. She's joking. She's making him comfortable. She's But she's being flirty. Like, I got, I don't know. She could be the next Patty Stanger, I got to tell you. I, I am here for it. 
tenfold. Huge Heather <laughs> fan. Huge Heather fan. Anyway, the way that we're going to kind of do this episode is our goal here is we want to cut the fluff. So a lot of major things happened, even though it was in just a couple of scenes. So I care about Whitney's dad as much as the next guy, but in terms of actual drama, we want to just get right into it. Yes. So it really centers around the fact that Whitney is planning this girl's trip to Vegas. And she's pretty self-aware and saying like, I get I'm not everyone's favorite right now, but I'm going to invite everyone. Let's just see what happens. Everybody agrees to go with the exception of Mary, because as far as I'm concerned, Mary just has no desire to be even remotely in close proximity to Jen. Well, this goes back to what we spoke about, I think, last week, how originally she wasn't even supposed to be a main cast member. She was supposed to be a friend of because she hasn't been in the last two episodes and she hasn't been in any group scenes. It kind of doesn't make sense, but they also are talking about her so much, but then she never gets to really give her side unless it's on a FaceTime by herself in her closet. I'm very kind of perplexed by that entire situation because in my opinion, at least, whether or not she's friends with the group is almost irrelevant because she's television gold. Right. That I would, okay, maybe, maybe she doesn't want to do filming with Jen, but maybe some more confessionals. I don't know. I'm it's, it's, it is kind of like this sideshow that's happening. Also, how many women go on trips or even to just a party or dinner with women that they fucking hate and that they're feuding with, but it's for the show. So that's, what's interesting is like, what were the standards and what was the decision behind that? Yeah, no, there's definitely something to be said for that. Yeah. So we really get walked through kind of the invitation process and how everybody responds. And Lisa is saying, you know, I'm not really sure. I have to think about that. They get to the airport and Meredith kind of makes a comment saying, Lisa went ahead. She's already down there for business. And that one moment at the airport really kind of sets the scene for what's about to transpire because you can see that rubbed Whitney the wrong way, meaning her and Lisa already have this kind of rocky history. They're not on the best terms, especially after the party. And so I think she feels very kind of disrespected and like it was an intentional fuck you on Lisa's part. And it was, but also imagine how weird that would be. You get to the airport, you never even heard that she's coming and she's already there and she never even gave you the like, hey, I'm just going to be there. That's my thing. And I actually watched Lisa went on IG live, I don't know, a few days ago. I, I caught it this morning where she was basically saying, I don't know that to anyone. I have plenty of business down there. And I really like Lisa and I really get where she's coming from. And I I actually get why she's so pissed at Whitney. Like I would be annoyed too, but that was a mean girl thing to do. It felt. She would never do that to anyone else. If Meredith or even Heather or anyone else was throwing this trip, there is not a single part of me that feels she would just say, oh, like I'm always here. Like why, you know, why wouldn't you just expect I'm already here? Not in a million years. She is way more self-aware than that. This was so calculated and it was a way to make Whitney feel like her trip was irrelevant. It wasn't cool or grand enough that they were going to Vegas because Lisa's there all the time and that she didn't owe her anything to tell her she'll be there and she'll meet up with them when it's convenient for her. Yes. And you know, what's interesting is, like I said, I really do enjoy Lisa and I like her, but for some reason, it's not just that she doesn't like Whitney. It goes deeper than that. I think it's almost like she doesn't view Whitney as an equal. So she feels, and I don't know if that comes from an age thing. I don't know if it comes from a work thing. I don't really understand the root of that, but I feel even if it's subconscious that she's a little bit condescending towards her and she almost feels like she has the right to behave like that towards Whitney when you're right. Even if she didn't like one of the other women, she wouldn't behave like that. She wouldn't even behave like that with Heather, even when they had their thing. Yeah. There's some underlying like 
class circle social situation that is brewing under the surface that really just makes her feel like she's so much better than Whitney and doesn't owe her anything. Right. I don't know if that has to do with how devout Lisa is to the entire Mormon culture situation and knowing kind of Whitney's stance. I don't know where that ties in, but as you're watching this, you definitely feel like there's something going on that we're not necessarily privy to. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, they land and when they're in the limo, Whitney calls Lisa, no answer, goes right to voicemail. And a minute later, Lisa calls Meredith, which oldest trick in the book. Classic mean girl high school move. I cannot, I felt that when that happened. I was feeling really bad for Whitney in a way. Not that not that she needed our sympathy in the sense of like, I don't consider her weak at all. I think she totally can handle this. This is not something that's going to turn her insides inside out, but you still feel bad. And she's trying so hard at the moment to bounce back and be like, oh, so you are here and, you know, trying to be heard, I guess. And it was just an impossible situation. Before we get to the hotel, there's an important flashback that happens that's going to come into play a little bit later on. So keep this in the back of your mind. But we see a flashback to a conversation that Jen and Lisa previously had where Lisa basically said to her, you know, I want to come to Vegas, but I want to hear how she came to the conclusion that I'm afraid of you because I never said that. So keep that conversation in the back of your mind as we continue because we get to the hotel and Whitney explains the plan that they're all going to go race car driving. But Jen has another set of plans because she is taking Heather on this kind of experience. So by virtue of doing that, she's now leaving Whitney to kind of fend for herself among Meredith and Lisa. I just like the group trip planning, it stresses me out so much. And Jen pulling Heather aside for a plan and Heather, of course, wants to accept that. You know, she is loving that Jen is showing her with actions how much their friendship means to her and really working overtime to fix what she, whatever she's done in the past. But at the same time, Heather's like, wait, I want to do the whole group thing too. I don't want to leave Whitney in the dust and I want us all to be together, but how can I turn this down? It put everyone in such a bad position. Oh yeah. And you know, there's a part of me that feels like it's almost better that Jen wasn't there for that Whitney Meredith Lisa confrontation that we're about to get into. But I do feel it was a little jarring if you're Whitney to be like, oh shit, the two people that I'm on the worst terms with right now, and I don't even have my backup. Yeah. It ended up working out well, but in that moment, I felt everyone's anxiety looking around like, oh fuck. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to get to the racetrack in a second, but first, just for superficial purposes that I like talking about, before all hell breaks loose with Heather and Jen, for the first few minutes, they're actually having a great time because they walk through the doors. Jen has set up this gorgeous private shopping experience for Heather. You see Heather's really getting into it. And I have to tell you, and Julie can attest to this because we were watching it together, when Jen Shaw fell off that bar, I lost it. It was just like so ungraceful and so like she fell on the chair and then she, she was like a pit, little ping pong ball. It was so, it was so bad. It was fun watching Heather and Jen's kind of dynamic because I really feel, and I said this last week, but it kind of just confirmed it for me. Jen needs Heather more than Heather needs Jen because if you watch how like supportive and encouraging of a friend Heather is to Jen, even when she's on the bar and she's like, Shaw amazing, taking photos of her, like hyping her up, that is a type of attention that Jen needs. And Heather isn't that, isn't as emotionally needy. I don't like using that word, but I do feel like it's, um, I do feel like it's kind of works for the situation. Yeah, I do too. That's why the friendship works, I feel like. Yes, it is more one-sided. It's more one-sided and 
that's what makes when they get in arguments, especially when Jen picks on an argument with Heather, it makes me so frustrated. Oh, well, I can't even. I'm saving my breath for when we get to that. Hold on. Let's go to the racetrack for a second and solve that problem because then we'll come back to the shoe situation. But they're at the racetrack and kind of just a funny subplot was how Lisa was talking this really big game, et cetera. She races all the time. I drive a Porsche Panamera. What car should I be in? Meanwhile, she's like (laughs) in last place going around so slow. And I could just sense it was so stupid, but like a little bit validating for Whitney. Yeah, definitely. Especially watching back when they put how many miles per hour they were going. She was definitely like, okay, Lisa, you're all talk. Exactly. So after they kind of have you know a nice time, I think they're all in a really good mood. Even Meredith, I think, was kind of surprised as to how exhilarating of an experience it was for her. But they get off, which I think was a good thing to kind of do that first. And they end up having the confrontation. And you know, Whitney kind of starts out by saying, I just want to apologize for what happened. And she says, again, Heather came in hot and that's when I lost control. I know this is such a minor thing and we'll get into the core of it, but it still bothers me. It's like, can you just stop blaming Heather? Like just take full accountability. I thought we solved that last week. It really bothers me. Why does it bother me so much? Well, I feel like we're protective over Heather. And also, I feel like we keep going back to issues that we're saying are, quote, solved, and then they're actually not. You can't say all you want is an apology and all you want is to figure it out. And then we keep revisiting these things. That's the issue. I know. Which really comes to a head with Jen and Heather. But the thing with Whitney is I really like her. Like, I definitely think she's one of the strongest cast members, and I'm a huge fan of her, and I absolutely hope she's back for season two. But... It's like so much of the time you're on board with what she's saying. And then sometimes she just handles things in a way that is a little bit deflecting, you know, like you have to take full responsibility. And especially, I think it is additionally frustrating for us because the way that Heather, who in our opinion was really not in the wrong, handled it was like, you know what? I'll take full responsibility. If that makes you feel better, like she's the first one to kind of lean in for something she didn't do. And then Whitney, who really did cause the issue is still so hell bent on putting some of the blame on Heather. I think it was Heather who said this, and it was a really good point and kind of summarized everything about Whitney. Her intentions and her thoughts and her outlooks on situations are usually pretty correct and things that I agree with. It's all in her delivery. She has no idea how and the best time, best place, best manner to approach things, and that's her downfall. It is. It is her downfall. It's because on one hand, she comes across with so much conviction. And then on the other hand, it's almost like this timid cat that doesn't directly know how to how to play her hand. Yeah. Maybe, she has like stage fright almost, you know? She ha- knows exactly what to do, what to say. And then the minute comes and she falls apart. Yeah. And she tries to kind of say this apology. And that's when Lisa comes in and is just saying like, I'm confused why you would go to Jen instead of just coming directly for the sor- to the source. And this was kind of interesting because Whitney then says, well, I was just saying what Mary told me. And Lisa makes a comment like, well, yeah, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Which the reason that I felt that to be a comment even worth noting is because we have been trying this entire season to kind of decode where the rest of the women, specifically Lisa, stand with Mary. So to hear that, it kind of just shows her perception of like, I think Mary's a little bit full of shit too. Right. That's the issue too, is that we don't have Mary here. You know, that's where this becomes an issue is like, 
We're harping on something Mary said so long ago and we have no new information on it. We don't know where and when Mary is saying that they said these things to her. Like she doesn't get to give her side of the situation and also give us the information that we so desperately need to piece the puzzle together. Right. But the other thing that's kind of frustrating just from a production standpoint is fine. If Mary's not going to be there, that's one thing. If she doesn't want to come or whatever the reason is fine. But if this interaction really did happen where Lisa and Meredith said that to her, I would have loved a confessional where Mary said, here's exactly how it went down. Here's exactly what they said. Here's the reason we were hanging out X, Y, and Z. So we're operating almost like we're going into this kind of blind. And for Mary to see now like that they're all talking about her so much behind her back, yes, I get it. She hates Jen. It would be such an uncomfortable thing for her to be on a trip with her, whatever. But for herself, I would feel like she might want to say her piece and get to like stand up for herself and prove her point. That to me would be worth it enough to go on the trip. I I think so too. I really do. You know, the other thing about Lisa and Whitney, just as I'm thinking about it, is they're the type of people where I don't think they hate each other, but they just would never be friends. Like they just kind of rub each other the wrong way. And so I think they're both frustrated that they have to kind of make amends with women they wouldn't even really be hanging out with in regular life. I genuinely think Lisa just feels she's better than Whitney and that you're right. They wouldn't be friends in real life, that she's somehow below her socially, whatever it is. And it it shows a lot. And Lisa just has to put on her big girl pants and say, we're on the show together. When it comes to being housewives, we are equal, whether that translates into my Utah friend group society, fine, maybe not. But we, I got to just like pull it together and treat her as my equal. I can't literally not give a fuck about her and not call her or give her the respect to say I'm coming on a trip. That was really off. I just like, hated that like because I get what she was trying to accomplish, but then on the at the end of the day, when you watch it back, especially when they do that flashback to Jen and Lisa sitting down and her saying, I want to come to Vegas to like hear her side of the story and you know, it's like a revenge a revenge coming on the trip kind of, it makes Lisa look bad in the end. It really does. Like I, we all got what she was trying to accomplish and she probably did make Whitney feel really, really bad in the moment. That was very clear. But now she just looks like manipulative and that's not a good look. And I don't think that's what she wants to come across as. No. And in her Instagram live, she was saying like, listen, I go to Vegas all the time. You know, I would be down there three times a month. I don't owe that to her. And I just wish it was, it was the kind of thing where just admit what you did. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's, it's better to almost own it kind of. Yeah. To, she should have just been like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm not giving Whitney the respect of that. She owes me an apology. I'll do what I want. Instead of playing it off like, oh, like why wouldn't I be in Vegas? Like that's like, who's buying that? You know, if you, I think a lot of times with like reunion goggles, meaning if we go back and imagine how like the producers are going to show that clip when Andy asked the inevitable question about what the deal is with Lisa and Whitney, I bet you we're just going to see a compilation of all of the little backhanded comments that Lisa has made. Everything from the pole dancing to the dancing at Sharif's party to, you know, the Vegas stuff. Like, I just think we're going to really see it all together, kind of a culmination of like, she just doesn't like her that much and doesn't respect her that much and kind of has no problem showing it. Well, we got a mini version of that when they played that montage of like Whitney, just like all the times that they are making little comments to each other and Whitney always having a problem with 
Lisa wherever they sit down and trying to find something. So it is not one-sided. That is also what we have to remember. In this moment, it was very much Lisa going low, but there's so much that's been building up. I didn't even realize it how much even in the season we've been seeing this back and forth until they played all those clips. And that was just Whitney coming at Lisa. So then when we go to the reunion and they show the back and forths of Lisa making the comments about Whitney's dancing and then Whitney's imitating her in the confessional, it's just, it's like they just pick at each other and know how to push each other's buttons and they don't like each other. You're right. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, and I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but to the best of my recollection, I think this really started out with Whitney hearing the rumor that Lisa was saying she's a swinger. And so if that's the case, it's kind of like who hit first. Not that that really matters, but in terms of their eyes. So that's kind of my first memory of why this whole thing went south. Yeah. And the bartender thing, that was early on. I don't know what came first and also in real time what was happening, but their hatred for each other or their fight has been so like under the surface because we've been so focused on what's going on with Jen and Mary that now it's bubbling to the top. And I'm like, oh yeah, this has kind of been brewing since episode one. Let me tell you something. I really think if I had to pinpoint something, it's a lot less about Whitney doing that thing at Sharif's party than it is about the underlying frustration and upset and anger that Lisa still has towards Whitney because of that bartender stuff. Because the thing that we've seen about Lisa throughout this entire season is the thing she takes the most seriously above anything else truly is her work and her businesses. And so it's one thing you want to attack her friendships, her this or that. But when Whitney made that comment that directly attacked the character of her business, that's where I think she kind of like mentally wrote her off and anything else she did from that point didn't even matter. And that's why I think she really has another level of distaste towards her. Me too. Totally agree. Okay, so back to the lobby of the Nomad Hotel when <laughs> – that sounded like an ad. It really did. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. It looked cute though. <laughs> but anyway, back to the lobby. Heather and Jen are still in this shoe fitting, and this is when they really start to engage in the conversation. And remember that flashback that I told you to keep in the back of your mind? We're bringing it up now because this is when Jen tells Heather that she spoke to Lisa – And Lisa was very adamant about the fact that she had never said that she was afraid of Jen. So you kind of see Heather, I think, sitting there with a little bit of confusion, like, wait a second, I thought we just solved this in the hot springs after you totally blew up and then Winnie got in the tub with you. And you're watching her visible confusion because Jen starts to really go off. And she's saying, you know, how upset she still is with Whitney and how uh, she kind of wants nothing to do with her. And Heather is trying to communicate to her, like, she thought you guys were good. I thought you were good. You have to kind of explain that to her. And Jen just loses it on her saying like, if it wasn't for you, I would bitch slap her. The only reason we put up with her is because of you, because we care so deeply about you. And Heather kind of directly asked her like, are you blaming Whitney for you throwing the glass? And that's when Jen totally fucking loses it. And what Heather says in her confessional, I wrote down this exact quote because I thought that it was so poignant. She says, Jen's version of a good friend is a henchman. Whatever she feels, you just pile on that person. There's no opportunity to be objective or helpful. It's like the house is on fire and you're on my team or you're dead to me. It's so true. I was so frustrated watching this. She just can't distinguish that it's not – everyone's not do or die. 
Like people have varying degrees of loyalty and friendship and how they express things. And she needs to realize that. And she can't get this angry at people who aren't like ride it or die for her. It's not fair. It's also just so unrealistic. Also, let's not forget the fact that Whitney and Heather are cousins. They are family. This is blood. So it's not even just like you're choosing friends here. They are literally family members. And it's not as if Heather is kind of riding or dying for Whitney. She was the first one to tell Whitney, you need to handle this better. She was the first one that said, you need to accept blame. So for Jen, after seemingly solving it in the bathtub, I'm not saying you have to get over your feelings. Like that can take as long as you want, but it's not fair to kind of ambush just because of the result of the conversation with Lisa or whatever it was. Like it was so misplaced and so wrong. And for Jen, someone who really clearly cares so much about family and family ties, she can't just quantify Heather and Whitney as best friends. It's not fair. They are blood. And by the way, Heather is doing way more than just sticking by her. She is putting her in her place. She's not being unrealistic. She's not saying, I'll do whatever Whitney says. You're right. She does give her a reality check. And on top of that, they're blood related. You can't ask her to turn on her cousin just because you're upset with her. There has to be some middle ground. It's not unfair for her to put Heather in that position in the first place. And by the way, Heather's handling it beautifully because she's fucking amazing, but she also is just realistic and understands I'm not... I'm not do or die for anyone. When someone's wrong, I'll call them out. When someone's right, I'll tell them that. And that's the level-headedness that Jen is really lacking. Exactly, exactly. And it's really, really actually almost infuriating to watch because, I mean, you heard me last week. I have a lot of compassion for Jen because I think she behaves like this because she's hurting so much internally. I think if she was better off internally and not feeling so sad, she wouldn't take it out like this. But at a certain point, it's not an excuse. At a certain point, you have to realize that your behavior has consequences. And nobody's going to want to be around you when you're such a loose cannon and when you absolutely freak out on them if they don't just roll out the red carpet for you. Things don't work like that. Relationships don't work like that. And so I think what's happening with Jen is she spends so much time with people who work for her that are on her payroll. It's almost like, I'm not comparing her to Jeffree Star, don't worry. But it's almost like the comparison I was making with Jeffree Star where when you have so many yes people around you constantly, like at a, at a certain point, you forget how to function in the real world with people who are not on your payroll, who will give their actual opinions and will tell you when they think that you're in the wrong. And if you can't handle that, then you're on the wrong show. Another thing too is how is anyone ever supposed to trust you or want to make things right with you when when they do, it doesn't even count. Heather worked so hard. They brought her to that spa and they sat in the bathtubs and they talked through it and they really poured their hearts out and they had this moment. They worked so hard. They wanted Jen to feel okay and heard and seen and that they really are sorry and that Winnie was really sorry. And they got to that place and it still wasn't good enough and Jen is reverting back. How will they ever want to try again to make things right? Why would they even... A go through another round of apologies for what? For her to still not be okay? It's impossible. You can't please her. Right. And at a certain point, you have to kind of do like a pro-con analysis. And the major pros of being friends with Jen is the fun and the spontaneity and kind of like the charisma and the extravagance that she brings to so many situations. It's always fun to have a friend like that. But at the end of the day, is that worth this? Because in my eyes, absolutely no way. I would rather have maybe a little bit more subdued fun with my other friends than be subject to somebody who's just going to blow up on me when I'm really trying to stand with them. Yeah. 
especially when you are showing them so much compassion, you are really giving them on a silver platter the apology that they wanted and it's still not good enough. At a certain point, there has to be a limit. You know, I will just say that something that people often do and you don't even realize that it's like subconscious is you feel like you have this story that you've been living out and you almost develop like this an attachment to a story. So you see this a lot of time with people who just can't not play the victim, right? They're so used to playing the victim that they're stuck in that. Maybe with Jen, part of it is like she has so become so kind of um, engulfed in this idea that she is so lonely that she's subconsciously pushing people away to maintain this loneliness because you can't act like this and then expect for your relationships to stay the same because that is just like sociopathic at that point. Yeah, it's so true. I don't know. I mean- when we ended off with that preview for next week and they're at that psychic or whatever it is, and you know, they say, raise your hand if you don't trust Jen, and every single person on that couch raises their hand. That is not going to go over well. At a certain point, you have to say to yourself, is it me or is it everyone else? Well, that is the harsh reality wake-up call to concretely see it in a circle around you that maybe she needs, but it also could break her, which is really scary either way. Right, because then what we see a lot with Jen is she just she kind of you know flights, she just leaves, and she blows up and she leaves, and that's not sustainable. It's that's why she can't keep these friendships, and that's why they're all really they love her and they want to show her the support, but it's never enough, which is hard. When they were standing in that hallway, we see in the preview, and she starts coming after Whitney, and Heather kind of has to step in. That really, really rubbed me the wrong way. Like, there's just a way that you deal with things, and that level of like maliciousness and almost getting off and inciting fear in someone else is like really not, not even forgetting about it not being healthy. It's like really not okay. Like, that is a boundary that you just don't cross. Like, when you, if you feel the only way to get your point across is to literally instill the fear of God in someone based on how loud you're yelling and how close you are to them, like who wants to be around that? I think that her downfall, one of them, is that she just takes situations, she escalates them to a point that is so unnecessary. I get it. There are certain times we've seen this a million jillion times that the situation does get blown up to that level of screaming and throwing a glass, whatever. But it doesn't have to be every single time. Like there's, there's a discrep. Like you have to decide wh- when it's worth it and when you are actually that angry. When the situation calls for something like that, it can't just be any time that there's any disagreement, argument, conversation. It goes to a ten. That's just really what I feel. You're right, and it's consistent across the board. It's not just in her reactions. It's also in just like her personality, the extravagance, the over the top, the fact that one assistant isn't good enough. She needs four. You know what I mean? Like every, every element of herself, she needs to just like bring it to a 10. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it is, doesn't impact the way that you like treat people, but it is now. Yeah. It's really true. Yeah. I don't know. Although I'll say it. I said it before and I'll say it again. I fucking love Sharif. And when he was doing that little shimmy, Oh my God, that's what I was going to say. His little dance in the beginning. He's so cool and cute. And like on the date, his, his back and forth with Heather, just like so cool. Like, yeah, I really like him and I love them together. I love seeing the scenes of them by themselves. And when things are just good. I mean, that's, I, nothing makes me happier than that, but it's, it seems to be few and far between. I know. I wish we could see more of that. I know. 
Anyway, I physically cannot wait till next week, Salt Lake City. This is my absolute favorite franchise. I'm sure you can tell by the way that I talk about it. I just think it's really what we needed as a Bravo watcher. Yeah. I love leading into it. I love learning more about them. I love the fashion. And their reunion's going to be good. Isabel, their reunion is going to be so good. Their reunion, I feel like Salt Lake City is what OC wishes. That's what I was going to say. The same way last week we were saying, what are they even going to talk about the OC reunion? With Salt Lake City, I feel like he can so concretely, bam, let's get into this feud. Let's get into this feud. Let's get into the party. Like, There's so many bullet points I want to hit. It's not just a mishmash of like, okay, you all hate each other. This, You all said five million things about each other. This is so much more like organized, if that makes sense. Yeah. And also there's a little bit more kind of direct sides or like lines drawn in the sand. Whereas OC, you kind of had no idea. One day they're friends. Like in that same moment, Shannon and Kelly will be yelling at each other and then siding with each other to yell at Bronwyn. Right. Right. Like they're not doing couches, but the couches would be so clear. And to me, that's what makes a franchise interesting a lot of the times. That's why I said to you last week with OC when we were talking about it, it like, I have no idea what the couches would even be. No, because I feel like they would have couches and then a new topic would come up and they'd have to like play musical chairs and (laughs) switch sides because there's no, okay, so then when it comes to the issue of Bronwyn, let's see, everyone go to the left, go to the right. Okay, well now we're on the Kelly issue. Let's, you know, shimmy around. There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's none, right? None. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. I know this really wasn't our plan and I'm going totally out of order. So stop me if you don't want this, but I feel like since we're talking about this, you want to just do a little bit of our OC section now. Yeah. Let's just, let's just break it down. Okay. I mean, this reunion was a shit show, Isabel. It was, it was such a shit show, but because the season was such a shit show, it was like the shit show cherry on top, you know? If this was like a calm, organized, chill reunion, we'd be like, okay, this is so off from everything we've been watching. But it was like what I was just saying. Everyone was just flip-flopping around. Every issue has something to do with the other issues, if that makes sense. It's way more of like a domino effect because 
Bronwyn says something about the house, and then that affects Gina's friendship with Shannon, and then Shannon's mad at Bronwyn, and then that loops back in that they're holding that against each other. Like, everything is just such a web. It's literally the meme of that guy trying to solve a mystery on the board. You can't, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up. It was so much. I mean, I guess if we, for purposes of kind of consistency, if we want to choose one common denominator, it was really like, we all fucking hate Bronwyn, basically. Yeah. Which I have to say, I, as the episodes have gone on, I've developed a little bit more of a distaste towards Bronwyn. However, I, it's never a good feeling to see everybody ganged up on one person. And even though I think, I think in a lot of ways it was kind of deserving, um, it was a little bit uncomfortable because you couldn't even sense like she had any sort of an alliance. She had no alliance. And also so much of it was not about her actions, but just her character as a person. So when she would try to make a point, regardless of what the point was, they would say, oh, you're such a liar. See, you're doing it again. You're playing the victim. You're not really an alcoholic. You, this, this, and that. Like she just, it it honestly had, it didn't matter at all what she said. It wasn't the content of what she was saying. It was how she said it. And also they would just chalk it up to, oh, this is how you are as a person. You're always the victim. You're so self-absorbed, et cetera, et cetera, which is such a hard place for her to be in. I get she really did fuck up and a lot of things she does are really self-serving and whatever, but she almost should have just kept her mouth shut and they would have done it for her. I was. It's such a great point you made because that's kind of what I was thinking of. Like, It's a lot easier to navigate these types of fights when you can talk about a specific issue. But with Bronwyn, you're right. It's a character issue. It's that bottom line, they're all kind of just upset with her and not really a fan of hers. So the way that her personality manifests itself had a lot less to do with what actually happened. It's almost like when Andy said, Kelly, nobody really gave a shit about what you did on the season. We just all can't stand how you are on social media and some of the views that you put out. It's kind of that same thing with Bronwyn, but the equivalent of like, it wasn't so much individual things you did as much as it was, these are all a result of like who you are. Right. That's why, like, I don't know why the first thing that comes to my mind is Kyle and Dorit, right? They have issues. But then at the end of the day, they really like each other as people and they're able to compartmentalize like an issue that they had between each other or specific things that were said, put that away. And then they, that's how they end up becoming friends at the end of the day. That's what always happens is like after these reunions where they're at each other's throats in New York and, and Potomac, everything, they like each other as people. And if something bad or really good happens, they're able to be there. With Bronwyn, it's such a unique situation because I feel like if something amazing or something terrible happened, they would literally not care or have compassion for her. Right. I think so too. And I also think that the th- it, it's, it's not just an OC thing. It's pretty much across all franchises. Like They're very judgmental about the way that everybody else kind of handles their stuff. And they all collectively feel, I guess, bad for the way that Bronwyn is treating Sean. So there's this weird thing happening where they're all kind of like taking her husband's side out of hatred towards her. Meanwhile, he's on her side. So it's like kind of backwards. I My favorite part of this whole thing, because we've been watching it kind of from the side, is how they were talking about her being addicted to fame and getting and her saying, I want to be recognized. Because like we talked about, I think last week and the week before, the paparazzi have been following her like crazy. The headlines are everywhere. The women on social, Elizabeth and Kelly, are literally grid posting articles saying, how convenient. You know, she they're at the sex shop and there's photos and she's full glam. 
And it's funny because it's not something I would pin on her if I didn't know, but now seeing it from their perspective and how much she loves the spotlight is super just, I don't know. It's like, I want to know more. Can I just give a counter argument for a second? Not that I necessarily agree with this one, but I just think it brings up an interesting point. Yeah. Like, unless you're doing something in the process to really screw over other people, is it so bad to want fame? Like, I know for us, that's obviously the last thing in the world we would ever desire and like are terrified of it. But is it so bad to want fame? Don't most of the people that go on these shows want fame? No, I think, well, the difference in my view and the women's view is that the women think she's over-exaggerating these dramatic storylines about her husband and her sexuality and her sobriety, that she's over-exaggerating them to get more attention. I believe her. I think if someone says they're an alcoholic, an addict, whatever, that is 100% what you believe, of course, of course. So I disagree with them on that. But to know they obviously know her better than we do. And to know that behind the scenes, she is really interested in getting this spotlight and really milking it while she has it. I don't know. I guess that there's no reason for them to hate her because of it, but I think they just see through her in a way. And it's just another thing on their list to say, you're phony, you're fake, you just want the drama, you're obsessed with yourself. I mean, they open the reunion Bronwyn's in the parking lot, like taking an Instagram video in like her outfit. And they're like, oh my God, look at her. She's so obsessed with herself. I think they just, it just adds for their disdain for her. It's not necessarily that it affects them. You know what I mean? Yes. It, yes, you're right. I will say though, in terms of Kelly Dodd, she drives me fucking crazy. I'm no, sorry. No. She drives me crazy. No. If you even if you believe it in the deepest level of your soul, you got to be a special kind of an asshole to say to somebody who has been going to two AA meetings a day for the last however many months. By the way, I think your alcoholism is total bullshit and it's a prop for the show. Even if you believe that with every fiber of your being, do you realize the type of asshole you have to be to actually say that out loud? I thought when they were having the conversations also about masks and traveling and COVID and just like more underlying Kelly stuff, social media wise, I thought Andy was just going to like evaporate. It was so frustrating because in a way she doesn't know what she's saying. You know, it's almost, it almost would be easier if she really had conviction with what she was saying and she felt like she was at least educated on her points but she's not like she doesn't even know what she's talking about and she talks herself into a loop and everyone's just like kelly stop just stop yeah because what's so interesting and i know andy said this on watch what happens too but he said it again like on the actual show this year, take away the COVID element and like the stuff that we knew behind the scenes, she wasn't a bad character. Like all things considered, she was not a villain by any means. There were a lot of other people that handled themselves a lot worse, but it's so hard to get on board with her, at least in my personal opinion. And again, if that's not your opinion, I respect it. I don't agree, but I respect it. Like, it's just so hard to get on board with her because you know what, what her like true character kind of is. Yeah. I imagine that must be really hard for like producers and Andy and the network this kind of shift in, it doesn't matter how they portray them on the show or how they edit them because we're watching the show in conjunction with reading and following her and and seeing everything that she's saying in real time that if you only watch the show, let's say you never had Instagram, you never had Twitter, you only watch the show, you would never 
have these feelings about her really. I mean, she makes comments obviously when the COVID stuff came up on the show, but you wouldn't know exactly how she feels about it. She didn't ever say it on the show. But then watching it with social media, it's like a whole other side character element. It's almost like her confessional never ends and it's not good. Exactly. I mean, I I use this example all the time, but it just brings me back to the Lynn Curtin days. Whatever was happening on the show, whatever edit they made out for Lynn and her two daughters and the eviction, that was what was happening. We didn't see this whole sideshow going on on Instagram. And I'm glad we have that now. It's not that I miss those days, but I do think from a production element, it's a completely different ballgame. And also when Kelly was saying back to Andy, like, well, I get all these dams that, you know, you're on American, like trying to clap back at him. It's like, come on, Kelly. I have to make one comment that didn't come up on the reunion, but the account I live for Bravo posted it. It's so minor, but I'm just curious if anybody else saw this or if you saw this. On the actual episode, there was a discrepancy between on the finale and on the behind the scenes episode or the never before seen episode. Because on the last slide where they show like, where are they now? One of the ones said, Bronwyn is excited to celebrate her one-year anniversary of sobriety in a couple weeks. And while she and Shari no longer speak, Sean and her new girlfriend, Chris, are both standing by her side. That was one. The other one said, Bronwyn celebrated one year of sobriety with new 29-year-old girlfriend, Chris. And while she and Shari no longer speak, Sean is still standing by his wife's side. It's, hmm. it's, it's nuanced. It's not that big of a deal. They both mention Chris, but it's just interesting in the way there clearly was some reason for the shift. I don't know. That's a good question. Isn't that interesting Like and bizarre? Yes, really. Yeah. I mean, the last thing from the reunion kind of – like, are we going to sit here and talk about the stuff with Gina's house? No, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's honestly an embarrassing subject matter to even be involved in, not for Gina's sake, for the other women's sake. Like, I can't imagine how bizarre that must be to have to be continually talking about – the shit you spoke about someone else's house in front of them. Like I was just over this. Um, but the yeah. whole Elizabeth stuff, Elizabeth came out swinging. She was not fucking around. I loved Elizabeth this reunion. Did you too? I like her. Is that bad? No, I really like her too. I felt she felt a little bit lighter. She felt like she wasn't bullshitting so much. I loved that they literally made her package about how she's like a liar and that they were introduced to her as like a little bit of a bullshit artist and that nothing made sense because I think that kind of cleared the air and also made her want to be more honest. Yes. I think she, I mean, that's the benefit of these types of shows, not just housewives, reality television in general. Like when you have that lengthy of a mirror, you're going to make certain changes at some point, or if you don't, that those are the ones that you see really go downhill. Yeah, I think we're going to get into it more next week. Also, they show the one preview. I know this was in the press all week about Bronwyn offering Shannon's daughter drugs in some way. It was kind of the teaser for next week, so I think we'll probably leave it for next week, but boy. And when you saw – we had seen the headline this week, right, like knowing that it would be on the reunion. But then when I saw Shannon in her trailer on the phone with John saying, if she keeps this up, I'm going to whip this out, and then she did – like she had that in her back pocket. That was very intentional. You were sleeping when I posted the Shannon comment about it. And I was like, I have to just post this. I have to get this up. Yeah. When she said the thing about, you know, I didn't find out a long time after it happened. She, you know, my daughter didn't want to be a tattletale. Let's just wait so that we can be fully informed to talk about it. But that is the type of thing. And you saw by Bronwyn's reaction, like it's really hard to come back from that in terms of like, how do you apologize for that? Yeah, I so agree. It's going to be, woo. 
Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. Okay, Southern Charm part two finale. Everything I could have ever wished for in an episode. It was really satisfying. Is that like a good word to use? It was incredibly satisfying. I left feeling totally fulfilled. Not only that, but after to follow it up with Watch What Happens with Leva and Shep, which we'll get into, and then also a preview of the reunion. I, Julie was actually watching with me, which it's really funny because some of her reactions I think are very telling to how somebody new who isn't so desensitized to these characters view things. But I was like in my happy place. It was so good. It was drama filled. I feel like we got some resolution. And also it wasn't just focused on, I really thought it would be mostly focused on the Catherine issue, but we got so much Austin and Madison. And then they would just keep cutting to Shep and Taylor just being cute. Like it was edited perfectly. We got some Pringle. We got everything we ever could have wanted. All in the backdrop of this gorgeous house, with this beautiful backyard and like beautiful landscape. Isn't it crazy that this was all filmed within one night, especially because it was broken into two episodes? I feel like we've been sitting in this backyard for months. I know. I mean, every time I watch Southern Charm, I always just feel like OC and some of these other franchises like take notes. Yeah, it's so true. You know? Yes. Anyway, so we kind of start out, we're waiting for Catherine to arrive and there's two things going on before the actual drama. The first is Madison is still kind of really in this attention getting phase. And that's not even like us just saying that. I think she's the first one to admit it. Like she's on the float in the middle of the pool in her heels. She's really just trying to kind of get a rise out of Austin. So we have that going on in conjunction with Craig kind of filling in Shep on the Catherine situation and saying like, I just heard what actually happened. And I can't be friends with Catherine in good faith if she keeps running away from this. Like things kind of have changed for me is, is which was Craig's message to Shep, I think. Yeah. Kind of like we discussed the fact that we, we didn't realize that they weren't all privy to the entire situation. They only thought that the emoji happened. They almost put their blinders on of like, we don't want to know the whole story. We don't want to know any more. This is what we've heard. So then when they finally got hit with the reality of the situation, it was like, oh shit, I get why you guys are doing this. And they almost felt like I've been sticking up for Catherine this whole time and I didn't even know what was going on. Right. So on one hand, it's like, I get where you guys are coming from, but also like not selfishly, but I guess more self-interestedly, 
you know, now I look bad if I'm defending her because now that I have the full story, like, oh shit, this is not good. Yeah, it was it was really a wake up call. Things really start to get good though when Shep and Austin go up to the treehouse to have this kind of heart to heart. And while they're up there, Madison very conveniently really brought me back to Candace getting the text about Ashley, gets a text that says, Austin fucked some girl last weekend at her friend's friend's house. And this is when all hell breaks loose. (laughs) Not good. So Craig is kind of asking the question that I think all of us had of like, why does it matter, you know? And you guys aren't together. Like, what 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 skin in the game do you have? And Madison says, if you're going to be a slut with some messy girls, make sure that she's more tight-lipped. Okay. While this is all happening, Craig kind of goes up to the treehouse to warn Austin what just happened. And you see Chef and Craig like really coaching Austin, just stay calm, you know, just stay calm, like stand your ground. And Madison walks up that treehouse in her wedges and she's like, you fucking beta bitch. <laughs> No. She really thought she did something there. <laughs> she really thought she did something there. She That word beta to her is like – I feel like she has an orgasm every time she uses it. I feel like that's her watch what happens live drinking word is she's trying to just fit it in as many times as possible. I think it's because she knows that it gets a rise out of him. Like I think she feels like if he can feel emasculated, that's where I thrive. Right. That's her favorite thing. The same thing with like the big dick energy. She just loves to put him down. Oh, it's, it's like a hobby for her. Um, and she gets up to the treehouse and she's asking him, like, who is the girl that you slept with? And she goes, tell me to my face. Like, maybe I'd like you more. And he's kind of so disgusted. He's like, you can't go from liking me one day to not the next day. You are an emotional terrorist. She goes, I'm the alpha. You're a beta. You're a fucking pussy. Wait. When she said, maybe it'll make me like you more. It'll make me more attracted to you. My jaw dropped. That is the most manipulative thing you could ever say, don't you think? Like beyond so. For like that is fucked up on so many different levels. Like truly, really. Like admit to it and I'll give you this false hope that now I'm going to be more into you because I know that's all that you want in the world even though everyone around knows that's not true and I just want to get the info out of you. How fucked was that? I'm sorry. Like she has gone manipulative before and she's been really like hard on him and mean to him and demeaning. But that something about that line, especially because it was in front of Shep and Craig, was like, okay, you have reached a new level. The thing is, I so agree with you. And the thing is, Austin and Madison are both really messy and both really toxic towards each other. But the way that I feel about it is objectively, I think Austin is a little bit less intelligent than Madison. And with that actually comes a little bit more sweetness, if that makes sense, because Madison manifests some of her intelligence or her sharpness into just like straight up manipulation. And so when she's mean, she's like really cutting deep and almost with daggers. And it's very intentional and very calculated. Whereas Austin is just kind of goes off because he just doesn't really know how to handle it. Whereas like I think factually, she's just kind of meaner. She's meaner. She's more like conniving and manipulative, but also she's more strategic. Like she thinks if I'm going to do something, I need to figure out how I'm going to get it in front of him, how I can say something that really cuts him deep. I know how to push his buttons. Whereas 
Austin, yeah, they're messy. He does things that are fucked up, but like he sleeps with a girl. He's not, if the roles were reversed, it's almost like she would send a selfie of her in bed with the guy and say, oops, wrong text. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I was literally thinking that. Yes. Like he would just, he just does it. And yeah, it's fucked up. Like they just broke up, whatever. He probably knows that she's going to find out. They run in a really small circle, but he's not like trying to serve it to her on a silver platter. He's not coming to the party. I mean, yeah. Okay, fine. When they're there, he's like, oh, I was in the treehouse last week and I'll tell you all about it. Like to Shep in front of her. But that's like, compared to what she does, it's so just innocent, like mean back and forth boyfriend girl ex-boyfriend girlfriend stuff do you know what I'm saying it's not like he's uh, I don't know but yeah you're right it, it's almost because he doesn't want to hurt her as much but also I don't think he even knows where to begin how to be that strategic the way that she is and cutting yeah Madison just wrote the playbook in terms of like how to fuck with your ex for dummies you know that is that yes. is yeah. she could have been the author of that and it's almost like if the roles were reversed, she would have printed out text messages or photos of her in bed with another guy or text with her and another guy and made it Austin's placemat at the dinner. Like that's the type of shit, not even to sound dramatic, I really think she would do something like that. Whereas he's just a little bit more sloppy, you know? I just like keep imagining scenarios that could have gone down if the roles were reversed. She would have been at that party like meaning to airdrop a picture to Vanita and send it to Austin and be like, oh, sorry, don't look at that. Like that's the kind of things that she pulls, whereas he is just a messy guy and he gets involved and wrapped in her web of shit. But And listen, he's not innocent. We're not exonerating him at all. But it's just like their methods of fighting and playing, it's like – such an unmatched sword fight. Yeah. And I, I, you know, when I'm watching this, I was kind of like checking myself last night because I do think even us, even us as women who I think are really, really conscious of like the bias, I do think, you know, there's just something where we as viewers in general are more accepting when men get a little bit more like quote mean versus women. Like people are just easier to call out um, a woman for that. I really checked myself last night when I was watching this. That was not the case. That was not what was going on here. What was going on here was she was being just like evil and it had nothing to do with gender. It was, she was just being not a nice human being. Not that he's perfect, but she really was out for blood. And I liked watching it because it was entertaining, but it was also simultaneously kind of hard to watch. I think we're really aware of like, oh, the bitchy woman stereotype and like he can do something, but she can't. When I really thought about it, though, if you were to list out their actions on paper of how they, what they've done and what they say and how they handle things, if you didn't know which was which, you would still pick her as being way more conniving. So that's the only way to be fair. And it, when she said something like, tell me, maybe I'll like you more and kind of dangling the fruit in front of his face, it's like, you can't help it. It's just, she, he isn't playing like that. No, there's no way. And in the middle of the show, like during the commercials, Shep and Austin were going live together and Madison was going live with Vanita. And what Madison was saying was like, listen, I know right now I may come off like the crazy ex-girlfriend, but it had literally been 48 hours. Like, tell me you that any of you wouldn't act like that. Then Shep and Austin in theirs, Shep was saying, Austin, I'm really proud of the way that you handled it. I think all things considered, like you did a really good job. And it was just crazy. It was like they they were almost watching two different episodes. 
What's crazy too is this isn't like Madison's first time that she's been crazy ex-girlfriend. We just saw last week her saying, you can't date anybody else, but I can. And her also saying, "You, why didn't you tell me you had, you know, you hooked up with someone 48 hours after we broke up? To me, it's like the presidency. At noon, it's over. If you're if you're done, once you break up, it's game over. You don't owe her anything, Austin. Like, he doesn't owe her. By the way, I know we broke up two days ago, but, like, I'm already moving on. I'm trying to get myself back on my feet. Like, in what world also is that a good, like, excuse? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not... You are, you're broken up. This is exactly what Craig is so worried about is that you will not release him from your spell. You make him feel like he's trapped in this box and that he has no wiggle room to move on and that you can do whatever you want. You still want him to sit here and wait for you when you're not, you don't have any interest in coming back to him. So I just, I can't help but feel bad for Austin because he's in such a hard spot. Such a hard spot with the person who just really wants to continually make him look bad. And it's actually interesting because on Watch What Happens After, Andy was asking Shep about like how he felt watching Craig get so involved with Austin and Madison. And Shep said, to be honest with you, it almost felt validating because like I carried that torch last season. He was like, you know, I I really know what that's like and I kind of had to give up. He was like, so to watch Craig really go hard for it and then see how difficult it was, he's like, for me, it felt almost like this is what I had been going through, you know? Yeah. It's it's really crazy. The other thing that Madison said in her live before, you know, Vanita was on her shoulders and they were dancing to We're Never Getting Back Together. By the way, I stand Vanita, but that's a separate subject, which we'll get into in a second. Um, she said in her live, you know what? Next time I think I'm going to date someone where they're the alpha. Maybe I'm a little bit less in control, just a little. At least she knows it, <laughs> you know? And I think she thrives off of that. I don't even know how she would do in a relationship where the tables were turned. I guess maybe that would be healthy for her, but just interesting, her commentary. I know. Before we get into the next really dramatic moment, do you want to just like take a palate cleanser and talk about Pringle crying to his sister? What a sweet little moment. I really did a full 180 with Pringle. And like I said last week, I guess it was more of a 360 because – I started out liking him and I ended up liking him, but in the middle, it was a little iffy there. I think we've said this before too, is like every episode is different and every scenario he's put in, he either feels so out of place or he adds something. Also getting to know him on social media. He was just like a hard nut to crack. Yeah, well, I think he also was dealing with some stuff internally, you know, like the guilt that he felt in terms of not having his kids there and the pressure he was putting on himself of like making this summer the best summer ever so that his kids would want to come back. That was weighing on him. And maybe it was, you know, he was taking it out in other aspects of his life. Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you one thing though. There's nothing that will make him get over Madison faster or lose interest in Madison faster than watching how mean she was. I... I think any guy who ever catches this, she's dug herself in a not so great hole. Well, that's what I wanted to actually say to you that I was watching it with Julie and I was realizing like, I even was a little bit shocked, but I guess we've become a little bit more desensitized. And Julie was like hitting me and she's like, who is this? What is wrong with her? Not just with the Austin stuff, even with the Danny stuff and the Catherine stuff. It was like the way that she was going about it. She, I, I, I can't imagine she watched this back and like, loved the way that she acted. There's just no way. No, but I think she feels validated for some reason that it's okay for her to be like this with Austin. 
Oh, she feels like he's fair game. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know watching it back. If her alive last night was any indication, she either was drinking to numb the pain of watching this back or she just doesn't give a fuck. Good for her. So we're at the dinner now and Madison says, I'm going to sit in the middle and you're going to sit on the end where you deserve to Austin. Like that's how we all started out. And I'm just sitting here like, I don't know why I should be shocked like this. This has been going on for years now, but it was so blatantly evil. Yeah, that's the shit I can't deal with. And Austin in his confessional saying, you know, I got Pringle a dress shirt. Madison is making it easier and easier for me to move on from her. So if she wants Pringle, go for it. It's almost like he almost said like, I'm going to dress him up. So if that makes him more appealing, then he's all yours. (laughs) I love that. And you see simultaneously Leva and Austin kind of have this confrontation because they're still going off on each other from the boat last week where they were both, I think, in the wrong. Austin was definitely more in the wrong of the way that he was talking to her. The way that they, honestly, the way they both handled it, I thought was just completely wrong. He was more in the wrong, but I don't think either of them handled it the best. I think it was charged by alcohol. I think it was a long, hot day on this island. I think the tensions and the emotions had been building for so long that it was not anyone's finest moment, truly. No, and they ended up kind of making up at this table, but she says to him, like, I found you disappointing. And before he can even get a word in, there's Madison right there. I second that. It's like, can you fucking butt out? It was every single issue, every single group, Austin related or Austin non-related. She had to get right in there. She Something was, that text about him hooking up really set her off. As if she wasn't already set up, set off. This really fucked her up. And she just, any time anyone said the word Austin or that he said anything, she couldn't help herself. I know. And- just to switch gears for a second in terms of this whole like Danny Catherine situation, when Craig kind of apologizes to Danny and he says like, I totally would have handled it differently. And I only heard Catherine's side, like I was really in the wrong. It was one of those moments where you knew that the whole Danny Craig feud was not going to be a forever, a forever one. Like they both wanted to resolve it. They both really care about each other, I think. Yeah. That's an example of an in the moment feud that it's a concrete issue. They're able to work past it and both say- yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. So Leva is trying to communicate to Catherine, like, I just wanted you to talk to Danny and to Madison Simon. So Madison and Catherine go to this treehouse, and I'm sorry, like, I, it it was hard to watch. It was frustr. It was really frustrating to watch. Like, I'm not expecting her to kind of lie down and say, I want to sacrifice my body here. That's nobody was telling her to do that. It was like, just look her in the eye and take accountability for how that could have happened. And it was like, there was such a disconnect. She really just disassociates from the issue at hand. I think a lot of Catherine's issues would be solved much easier if she had any confrontation and conversational skills, but she just doesn't. Like they feel so disrespected every time they speak to her. And I don't know if it's intentional, but it never, even having these sit down conversations never get anywhere that anybody wants them to go. I don't think it's intentional. I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that I don't think she was intentionally trying to handle it that way. I think you're right that she just like has zero like, confrontation skills even in the slightest. She's 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 a really not good at like conflict management. Yeah, it's not her not her forte. And when she's saying to Madison Simon like, 
you know, you didn't know what else was going on with me. And Madison says to her, there is always something going on with you. Shep on Watch What Happens, who is really good friends with Catherine, agreed with that. He said to Andy, you know what? She's right. There, Catherine is that type of person where there's always something. And I think they're all just growing increasingly frustrated by that. Because she doesn't communicate it until it's too late. So then it's like, it's almost always her crutch or her excuse is like, oh, there's other things going on. And I think their frustration is that she doesn't really handle, she's not good at juggling. She's not good at addressing all of these things going on head on to kind of squash them. It's like whack-a-mole. That's the way I feel about her life is like something goes away, something else pops up and she is really not good at handling it. So then when people are affected by it, they just get frustrated with her like life management. Yeah. And it's a lot of deflection. And like, I think also, to be honest with you, now that this is an excuse and we'll see this a little bit later on, but like, I don't necessarily think she has the like awareness or maybe intelligence level to even fully comprehend what they were saying. Right. I agree with that. I don't know if that sounds terrible, but like, I just, I don't know if it's that or if it's just a real lack of emotional intelligence because even if you can't understand the core of the issue, there's a certain way that you deal with people to make them feel heard. And I think everybody would be able to handle things with her so much more freely if they she just made them feel a little bit heard. I know. That's really, that's the issue. Like her friends at least just want to feel like what they're saying is getting to her. Even if she doesn't do anything about it, they just want to feel heard. And that's like issue number one of why all of this went totally, totally wrong. Yeah. I think honestly, the most interesting moment of the entire night is when Catherine and Danny are on the dock and you see them having this moment where like, they're kind of getting back into it. And the way that I felt about this, tell me if you agree before we even get into it. I kind of felt in this moment, like it was very evident how Danny is maybe the only person that can actually get through to Catherine because when they're good, or at least when they're not fighting outwardly, Catherine feels safe around Danny. I think also Danny seems to be the only person Catherine actually cares about. I know that sounds so fucked up and like, yeah, these are all supposed to be her friends besides the guys. I mean, just girl wise. So, and Danny, I think has been through more with her and knows more about her that that's the only person who I think she really cares about and cares if they're mad at her. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like the emotional intelligence is a little bit more prevalent when she actually doesn't have to fake it as much. You're right. Yeah. Like she's not, she can't fake it. That's also a problem. She shouldn't have to be faking it, but she can at least act engaged and act like she's listening, which is a big problem. So when they're sitting there, you know, Danny is kind of defending Madison, asking why Catherine reached out to Leva instead of Danny or Madison. And while this is happening, you see the women, it's like Vanita, Madison Simon, Leva, they're all talking with Madison LaCroix and they're all just really kind of pissed off at Catherine. And Madison feels like, you know what? Fuck this. You guys aren't addressing this head on. I'm going to go to the dock. I'm going to get her up here and let's have this conversation once and for all. Which by the way, like was totally misplaced. I guess in theory, it was a good idea, but I don't, it was just not right. 
well, for her to go down to the dock and handle it in the abrupt and almost like inhumane way that she did, it made me feel like, is she on something? Like, who acts like this? It was also so unfair to Danny, who she knows has been struggling and was doing anything to just have this moment with Catherine to interrupt it was so, so rude. It was also so frustrating because in this moment, Danny was not giving Catherine a free pass. Danny was calling Catherine on her ship, but in a way that was actually like tolerable to the point where like, you know, Catherine almost needed it in like baby food. And Danny was like really making it very kind of digestible for her. So then for Madison to come on, not only interrupt the whole thing, but also to say, listen, you know that Danny will kiss your ass no matter what. She'll do anything for you. Danny's like, can I get a little bit of credit for having a backbone here and actually standing up like to her? So it, it totally kind of discredited the progress that Danny had made in those last hour, however long it was. And she came in like a fucking wrecking ball. It also wasn't fair for her to start commenting on the kind of conversation she assumed they were having when she'd been there for one second and didn't know at all what she was walking in on. And by the way, if I was the other women, like Madison Simon, Leva, and Vanita, watching that, I would have been really annoyed. And aside from just everything else, like what Madison was saying to Catherine when she was basically like, you got to go up there and say your piece. Like she was hyping her up for, for a conversation that really wasn't the core of it. They just wanted her to come up there and listen. So Danny was like, I don't think that's the right move. Like, I don't think her coming up there saying exactly how she feels when we all knew what she needed to do is do more listening. Like it would, it almost felt like she was rooting for Catherine to fail by setting her up in a way. Yeah. I did not like that. You see, you know, nothing gets accomplished. Her and Danny fucking lose it on each other. That got really mean, by the way, that when they started losing it on each other, it was like, you're a bully. I'm going to push you in the lake. Like I did. I hated that. It was a hundred percent Madison's fault. I'm sorry, Danny. I, anybody would have reacted like that. Like, yeah, maybe the quote bigger person would have just gotten up, but I would have been so hurt and upset and like infuriated that I'm finally having this heart to heart with my friend who I'm actually getting through to. And then this woman comes in and completely dis- de- derails the entire thing from, she didn't even know what she was talking about. It was so unfair. And she was already in such a heightened emotional conversation that this just like, I get it. I get why she lost her shit. And you see when they come back up, like nothing is resolved because Madison, honestly, in my eyes, it really was Madison just couldn't, couldn't let it go. Couldn't get a grasp of the situation. And like Vanita seems to be the only one that Madison even remotely responds well to. Well, it was lucky that she was there because she was the only one who she would listen to. And Vanita wanted the conversation to go in a positive direction and not Madison was just pot stirring. She couldn't stop stirring the pot from the moment she got there. And it was just mean. Yeah. But you see upstairs when they finally kind of sit down to have that conversation and it's Leva, Madison, Simon, Vanita, Catherine, and Craig is sitting there. I thought Craig was a good person to kind of start it off just because, not because he has more of a right to speak. Like clearly, I, I think it was so powerful when the women were explaining it from their own circumstance because it has like personally impacted them. but. In Catherine's eyes, I felt like it was a strategic move that they had Craig kind of started off because maybe she is a little bit less of like her guard up with Craig, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think overall with the guys, she doesn't view ever that they're attacking her. I mean, in the past, they've clearly been coddling her in a way. So for it to start with him 
on that note, I think was smart. I think so too. And I thought that Leva and Vanita handled it beautifully and just explained like why this is wrong, why this is hurtful. Leva, I didn't feel at all was being condescending. I thought she repeatedly said like, like I, I thought that the example that she used about I'm so glad my son doesn't have to see that statue of your ancestor. But also what I would additionally, which is that if my son runs into your son in the park, that they can be so proud of their moms for having these hard conversations. It was such a human moment. I also think on Leva's part, kind of smart to bring her kids into it to see like this impacts so many different generations and levels. And this is why we do what we do. But it was really sweet. It was a good moment of like mom to mom, human to human this is what we have to do to to make things better. Yeah, and I I still I truly in my deepest heart of hearts don't think that Catherine got it. I still don't think she gets it, but in that moment I was kind of less focused on Catherine and more focused with the like patience and kind of the way that Vanita and Leva were so like beautifully describing it because they didn't have to. Like we always say this, Leva said, it's not their job. You know, it affected Gwen's, the business. It affected them as people. It affects anyone who's associated with her. And I think she really, she had to hear that. It was the harsh reality. You know, on Watch What Happens, Leva was saying like, she was like basically saying, I don't think that I communicated this well, but Another reason I wanted her to do this was because I knew that if she didn't, she would be canceled. She's like, I didn't want her to be canceled. I was trying to get her to confront it and approach it in a way that like would avoid the cancellation, which I don't think that message was heard loud and clear on the episodes. But in retrospect, I believe her when she says like, I wanted her to handle it so that she could actually move on from it and so that she wouldn't end up in a worse off situation. People may, totally may disagree, like a thousand percent may think that she was doing it from a malicious place, but I personally don't. I don't either because if she really wanted her to fail, she would have said nothing. She would have let this snowball. She would have let Catherine continue to say things that were uneducated and it would have been her downfall. The way that it had to happen was just inevitably felt gossipy because they had to like kind of recruit a crew and they had to discuss it amongst themselves. That was, I think, people's issue was like, they felt like Leva was just repeating this story over and over. But her intentions and her North Star were all good. They were to help Catherine and make her realize what she did wrong and apologize in the right way and do the work to be better and educate herself. If she wanted Catherine to fail, she would have let her left her lying in the dark and been canceled. Exactly. And, and, you know, they asked her on Watch What Happens if she regretted the way that she handled anything with Catherine. And she said, you know, to be honest, like, I didn't know her that well socially. So I didn't know aspects of her personality. She's like, so I do think that maybe some of the way that I handled it, I would have done it differently if I knew she was going to react like that. Like, for example, Catherine's tactic of burying her head in the sand, yeah, in this particular case had to do with white privilege and not wanting to confront it. But like, that's really just kind of a consistent with how she behaves in general. This issue, it was just a little bit more prominent, but that's not anything new for her. So Leva was saying like, maybe if I knew she handled things like that, I would have gone about it a little bit differently because they asked her that on Watch What Happens. That's a, that's such a fair point. Also, they asked if you know she thinks that Danny will enable her or if she kind of sees it differently. And she said she really thinks that Danny has kind of created boundaries and now they'll have a better relationship because Danny isn't sweeping her grievances under the rug, which 
that's kind of how I felt. Like I felt like this was a beautiful disaster in terms of their friendship. It was almost the best thing that could have ever happened to their friendship. They're falling out. Yeah, I do too. And I think it made Danny a little more empowered, which she needed. Danny was not in a good place this season. Like she really, really wasn't. I know she got a lot of airtime and she got a lot of things off of her chest, but she was riddled with nervous energy. You could tell she wasn't really confident in what she was saying. And I think she needs a little bit of a reset. I do too. I think this situation really affected her deeply, more than people ever would imagine. Also on Watch What Happens, Andy kind of made a comment about Craig coming in hot at the reunion. And I saw later on that Craig was live in Nevada. And he said, he's like, I was on one. Like he he basically, not not meaning drugs. He was just like, I really just came out swinging. Good. More for us to talk about. <laughs> I know. I can't wait, obviously. Anything else Southern Charm related? I can't believe we're at the reunion. I'm really excited. It was a great, crazy season. Um, The preview for the reunion looks amazing. It was unbelievable. Sorry, it was fucking unbelievable. I loved it. It was so fun. It was fun for us to talk about too. It was amazing. I'm so glad to be here with you and with you guys. And I'm so glad Southern Charm exists. Same. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, this week for Atlanta and Dallas, we're kind of just going to focus on like the really major plot lines from each episode just because Salt Lake City and Southern Charm, there was so much to talk about. But in Atlanta, I think definitely the most discussion-worthy part was Cynthia's entire kind of debacle of deciding whether or not to invite her father. And there are a lot of scenes that we talk about over the course of talking about different franchises or different you know, shows where things are really staged for the camera and you can tell it's not as intense as it is on television. This was one of those situations where it was so authentic and really couldn't have been mimicked. And you basically see Cynthia bring her daughter, Noelle, to Cynthia's mom's house. Cynthia's sister is there as well. And she kind of brings up the topic with her mom about wanting to maybe invite her dad. And clearly, you know, her parents had a really bad relationship. He was abusive to the mother. And you could tell her mom was really struggling with like, I want you to be happy and do what makes you happy. But also I am so hurt by this man. And I feel like I have been the one that's there for you. Like 
it was almost like she didn't want him even kind of coming first or coming in the picture at all, you know? It was such a raw scene because it's so many family dynamics that have been going on for years and years. And for them to open up about that on camera, I thought was like incredible and to work it out like that on camera. And also just like Cynthia's relationship with her daughter. It was like, it was a lot. It was heavy. The reason that Cynthia brought Noelle in the first place kind of like her underlying reason, and Noelle called this out, was because she felt like it would soften the blow a little. You know, her grandma was yeah. so excited to see her, et cetera. But it actually had the opposite effect because Noelle really sided with Cynthia's mom and was like, you know, Granny's been there for us every step of the way. She's visibly uncomfortable. Even if she says it's okay if you invite your dad, like, don't you care about her more? To the point where Cynthia, I think, was almost nudging Noelle to stop. But Noelle, like, very, very firmly took the grandmother's side and that's the type of situation that like, I know we have a podcast, we're supposed to talk about this stuff. I don't give a shit who you are. I do not think you can comment on this unless you're in that family. It's too sensitive of a subject. And there's so much that we don't know about, but I was happy that they showed this. And I also think it's, even though we don't even end up seeing Cynthia's wedding, showing how many family issues and conversations have come up surrounding this wedding, even with her own relationship with Mike, is just like a really, it is really her main storyline of the season is kind of the little fires and situations that planning a wedding have put her in. Oh, totally, totally. And I don't know, I I saw, you know, some criticism of her mom saying like, she should be happy that if Cynthia wants her dad there, I just... I really, really don't think it's something that's fair to comment on because the pain ran so deep on both ends. Like it was was palpable and I don't know, I just, I wish for some sort of a resolve and I think they they did find one, but you could tell it was a really raw moment. Totally. What was your favorite moment of Dallas? I fucking love Dallas. I just, I can't help myself. Carrie's 50th birthday that Cam threw was amazing. I think Carrie is so fun. She wants to always have everyone have fun. And I really appreciated her explaining that like what Tiffany was saying, you know, I feel like she pushes the drinking and hazing, whatever. From Carrie's perspective, it was more like, no, I just, you know, that's my way. I want everyone to have fun and feel included. So the party itself was just amazing. And I was happy they were all together. Um, Cam and Tiffany's conversation again about the chicken foot was pretty uncomfortable to watch because I feel like, like we said last week, Cam is just missing some understanding of the cultural aspect of food and also how to kind of like talk about it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we're just dealing with, to put it frankly, just two people at completely different intelligence levels. That's just what it comes down to. Cam is just missing it. She's just like missing a piece. And Tiffany, by the way, is very respectful of saying like, or just acting like, I get it. Your understanding is very different than mine. I think Cam really thought she was making a point when she's like, well, now you're stereotyping your whole country by saying that chicken feet is a Chinese thing. Like she really thought she was doing something there. I mean, she thought she was literally calling Tiffany out for making some comment that was stereotypical. And Tiffany's like, okay, they kind of just buried the hatchet. It. I think I think it was Stephanie who said it best. Like when Cam gets stuck on something, she gets really stuck on it and they just needed to move forward and they'll be okay. But 
something about that, the food and the, but also Cam, by the way, was the one who brought it up again because they said, oh, the food is delicious that they were serving at the party that she obviously catered. And she was like better than the chicken feet, which was just so unnecessary. And I don't, I don't think she means harm. I think she likes Tiffany. I just think she can't help herself. And it wasn't a nice comment to make, but she doesn't realize that it is ex- it's directly insulting to Tiffany. It's not about like, oh, we had a bad meal at a random restaurant. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's what I'm saying. She has no understanding of like the cultural element of it. And I think at a certain point, as much as it's something that she should understand, I think at a certain point, Tiffany just realizes, you know what? This is so not a battle worth fighting because I would rather have the conversation with someone who's going to be receptive like a Brandy. Whereas Cameron is so in another world almost that I think Tiffany kind of is like, you know what? I'm, I'm not even engaging here. She kind of just almost like apologized and just moved on from it where she was 100% in the right, in my opinion, at least. But I think she felt like it wasn't even worth it because Cameron just wasn't going to get there. She just she just doesn't have it in her to get there. I think this will be more of a reunion conversation where it's like, do you get why these words are hurtful or why they could offend people? But she knew that this birthday party wasn't the time or place and that she didn't want to be the one, even though Cam is the one who brought it up, she didn't be want to be the one who was elongating the fight about it. Yeah, I think she she was over it and she didn't have to be, but she was. I don't know. I'm obsessed with Tiffany. Like, I don't say what you want about her. I don't know really what the public opinion is of her yet. I really, really like her. I think she's witty. I think she's fashionable. I love how driven she is. I love how, you know, much she really, I think, has a good understanding of the dynamics of the group. I'm just a fan. Like, I'm a hardcore fan. I texted Emma when I was watching. And they kept showing her fucking adorable twins in the backseat of the Bentley. I was like, this is my dream. Like, I just want to be Tiffany when I grow up. I will say just one thing, though, about her that I felt was really kind of um, endearing is even though she felt maybe a little bit hazed by Carrie and she did have work the next day, I think there's a part of her that's like, you know, that it's almost like the kids in high school that never had a chance to go to a party and they go to college and they kind of just want to experiment and do everything. I think there's a part of her that feels like she missed out on that, you know, that part of her life. And so she, you can see she's really committed to trying to have a little bit more fun. And it does, it's not something that comes easy to her, which I don't think is something that a lot of the women can relate to, but you can tell there's like a personal dilemma going on here, which makes me feel like the sheer idea of doing the show was actually something that she did more internally. Like she doesn't need the money. She doesn't need the exposure. I think she felt like I need to do this for myself to kind of get out of my, not comfort zone, but my normal routine. Yeah. It's not easy to say like, you know, I don't really know how to have fun, but because she's so confident in her job and her smarts and her family and everything else, this seems to be the area that she really is looking for help in. You know, like she's not looking for advice on any other aspect of her life, it seems, but she's like, I want to have more fun. I want to be, have these relationships and these nights out and push myself. And I, I loved that. I thought it was so cute. And now to know that, I guess we'll see them on the trips and stuff will be, it'll be fun to see her grow into her own on that. I completely agree, really. Also, the one other thing that I just wanted to very quickly talk about was Stephanie and Travis. They have a complicated relationship because we watched them for years where 
I mean, we started out, he was giving her a list of chores to do every day and she would do them. And then that was how she earned like shopping money. So they have evolved a lot. We've seen their growth in that way. I love Stephanie so much. I feel like she's finding her voice and she's coming, especially in her marriage. She's realizing like, I need to live my life for me, not for him. He doesn't treat her. He has a very misogynistic um, tone to him. And I think she knows that, which I feel like is important. He is disgusting. I'm sorry. I cannot stand that. I, I cannot stand that motherfucker. I really hadn't gotten that into Dallas until this season. I had watched earlier on, but then I kind of fell off on it. I forgot how much I can stand him. I don't think he's a bad person necessarily, but he's just a dick. Like, yeah, I'm just, I, I, every marriage works in in you know for them, and I, I don't mean to judge it, but I could never ever be married to someone like that. I he diminishes her. Um, abilities and accomplishments in every word that he says and every phrase that he says. And even though he says he's not, it's very underhanded. And he clearly thinks that he is better. And she even said like, the person who has the money oftentimes has the power and he does not let her forget that. So I know some people may say, well, he gives her this great life. You know what? None of that would be worth it to me. He's a fucking asshole. And she, I think is a intelligent strong woman who deserves a guy that can really understand that worth and not just like the more superficial elements of her. I can't stand him. I hope that this means that this season we'll see more of like her coming into her own, building her own thing again, which I feel like she really needs. And you know what? I'm happy that she recognizes that. That's all I'll say. Yeah, you're right. I don't mean, listen, if it works for them, it works for them. I just personally, I haven't disliked someone like this since, uh, Simon, Tamara's ex-husband. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to mention? No, I think that's it. It was a it was a good week of episodes. Although he's not as bad as Jim Bellino. No one is. No one's as bad as Jim Bellino, right? It's impossible. Yeah. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much, so 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 much. Um, oh, you know who is? You know who is? Who? Brooks. Oh, <laughs> Vicky's Brooks. Yes. Yes, and uh, Kenya's, Mark. Oh, God. There's been a lot of bad husbands. Okay, whatever. Yeah, you're right. There has been. Anyway, we love you guys so much. Julie and I will see you next week. Thank you for everything. And holy shit, next week, Southern Charm Reunion Part 1. I physically can't wait. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Love you guys. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.